This morning we continue to read out of the Gospel of Mark, beginning in verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and who would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of life. Many years ago, when I first was on staff as an associate pastor here at Boston Avenue with Dr. Biggs, it wasn't very long before I felt like I had a problem. There were so many opportunities for ministry. There were so many opportunities to serve that I would see one and I would respond to it and add that to my list and then see another one and add that one to my list and then organize some people and start a ministry around this or, or that. And before very long... I was really overextended, but I just pressed ahead. But before very long after that, I began to really feel overwhelmed. So I decided I better go see Dr. Biggs and see if he could help me with this. So I made an appointment and went up to his office to talk to him and told him about my problems. And he reminded me of a story that Dr. Scott Peck had told in his book that he wrote, The Road Less Traveled. Dr. Peck was a psychiatrist, but he tells in the book that when he was a medical resident, that he was in a clinic, there were other residents, they were all assigned patients on a rotating basis. But he said what he found before very long is that he was staying every night until like 8, 9 o'clock in the evening, the other residents leaving 4.35. Just night after night, he saw the others leave. He still was there before very long, he began to feel exhausted. He decided to go see his supervisor. His name was Mac. So he went to see Mac and said, listen, I'm, I'm so dedicated to my patients that I'm here until 8 or 9 every night. All the other residents are leaving at 4.30 or 5. I've got a problem. And he says, Mac said, yes, you have a problem. And Scott Peck said, oh, he just beamed. He felt understood, almost vindicated. He said, oh, thank you so much. So what should we do about it? And his supervisor said, you have a problem. He said, oh, I know. I have a problem. I, I came to see you to see if we could fix it. Max said, uh, Scott, I have listened. I have heard you. I agree with you. You, Scott Peck, have a problem. He said right then he began to curse at his supervisor and say, I knew that when I came in here. Don't you hear me? I know I have a problem. I want you to fix it. 
And his supervisor said, Scott, I don't think you have listened to me. I will say it one more time as clearly as I can. You have a problem. Specifically, you have a problem with your time. It's not my problem. It's your problem. It's not my time. It's your time. You, Scott Peck, have a problem with your time. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Dr. Biggs reminded me of that story. But Dr. Biggs went on to say that at a church this size, there will be lots of people that have concerns and agendas. And if I take them all on, they will fill up all of my time. But it was my job to set the agenda, to set my priorities, and to make sure I focus on what is most important. He was right. This text today deals with a similar kind of issue. Jesus has just begun his ministry. Mark has told us a couple of stories, and now they're in Capernaum, and people, throngs of people, are starting to come and want Jesus' time. They're surrounding the house, Mark says, because Jesus has healed a few people physically, more and more are coming with the demands. He spends the day and goes into the evening responding to those people's needs. But then Mark tells us what happens the next day in verse 35. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. Listen to what Jesus said. Let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. Who sets your purpose? Who sets your priorities? Who decides how you use your time and what fills up your life? I still struggle with that, taking on too many things, trying to be involved in too many projects, responding to too many people so that I get overextended and overcommitted. Mark gives us some help here, though. He shows us the pattern that Jesus uses which is in these experiences of life, we make sure we spend time in prayer. Jesus goes off by himself for some extra prayer time. And then when they come and say, there's still people waiting, he says, let's go on. Because that's what I came out to do, to go proclaim the message. So Jesus stays with his main purpose or his main mission after his experience of prayer. He prays, and then he proclaims. That's what Mark says. He prays, and then he proclaims. It's a pattern, I think, worth paying attention to for each and every one of us. If we believe that God is leading us in life, and God has purposes for us to fulfill, and God is trying to build the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, and we're disciples, we're helpers, we're participants in that then it would be good to make sure we knew what god's direction is so it's a pattern worth paying attention to do we pray 
and then move on to proclamation. Belinda Clanton is here with us this morning. She's one of the lay people in this congregation. I've been asking people to come and share their personal experiences to make sure that each of us know how the different ones of us within the congregation experience God in our own lives. She's a lifelong Methodist. She grew up in a Methodist church in Oklahoma City. She's been a member of other Methodist churches across the state. She came here to Boston Avenue in 2004. She and her husband, Sid, have been here since. She just finished serving as the secretary of our administrative board. If I listed all the different places she served here and our walk to Emmaus and our Cairo's prison ministry, we would be here for the rest of the hour with me just telling you let me just suffice it to say she is a devoted servant of Christ, and I've asked her to come share with us. If you've ever worked with her, you know she's upbeat, energetic, positive kind of person. Come on, Belinda. <laughs> but as we were talking, um, she shared with me a difficult experience she had early in her adult life, and I have asked her to share that with us this morning. Um, well, we had been married a couple of years, and we were expecting our first child, and uh, as all new parents, you know how exciting that is, and with what great expectation uh, you await that important day. Um, so the nine months leading up to that were uh, pretty non-eventful, regular doctor visits, et cetera, everything seemed to be going well, so... When we got up in the wee hours of the morning to make that trip to the hospital, um, we knew this was going to be one of the best days of our whole life. But after arriving at the hospital, they whisk you away to the uh, labor and delivery room. Um, you know, they start attaching monitors and things. And after a while, I noticed that um, things got quieter, um, very quiet. And after a period of time, the doctor came and stood by me and said uh, that the baby that I was going to deliver had already died. So I had a lot of time that day to think about uh, all the morning and all the afternoon and into the night. I asked God a lot of questions, uh, the questions that all of us ask about why me, why was this happening, what had I done? Um, just those burning questions. Uh, I share that story with you only to say that um, we've all had them. And for me, that was a, a moment in my life. At the age of 25, I knew my life would be forever different following that. So like the lady in the uh, story today that Reverend Wiggs read, um, I needed lifted up. I needed somebody to take me by the hand and lead me out of that dark place. Uh, as a Methodist and growing up in the church, that was the place I knew to turn. So at that time, we were going to Christ United Methodist uh, over on Harvard. They had a little house out to the side that was going to be a counseling center. And uh, they had a Reverend Al Garvin. I, we went to visit with him and... Uh, tried to sort through uh, everything that had happened. So didn't happen overnight, but uh, the healing did begin to take place. I felt like God had a purpose for my life, and I, I had to know that this wasn't the end, that there was more for me to do. 
So in the end, what I learned from that, I still learn from that, but what I learned is life is short. Uh, life is precious. You don't have a lot of time. Um, so I know what it's like to feel like there's no possibility that something is over. So I'm very reluctant to say no when asked because to serve in the church or to help others because it might be the last time I'm asked or it might be an opportunity that I miss. And I'm kind of selfish in that way in that I don't want to miss whatever opportunity that might be. So as you work through all that, you, um, you stayed close to God. You mm -hmm. continued uh, to grow in your faith. Um, you still have a daily devotional time and mm -hmm. a prayer life. And you've talked about how that prayer impacts the rest of your life. Can you share a little bit of that with us? Yes, I always spend time every day. I uh, have devotionals that I read, um, and I change them from time to time. It can just be, you know, usually short. I'm still working. You know, you got to get to work. That's another priority. <laughs> so uh, I I read uh, sometimes the Upper Room. Sometimes I'll read C.S. Lewis. And right now I'm reading a little book that actually Dr. Biggs wrote called Moments to Hold Close. I read about Mr. Ben this morning. <laughs> uh, I, I used to think in life that things were just coincidence, um, but I began to see and look for how is God working in my life? How does what I read, how does that person that I met, how, does, how do the words that somebody else said to me today, how did those impact me? How was that God trying to speak to me uh, through that message? So I do spend uh, a lot of time. Uh, church is a priority for me. Um, we're always here at church um, because that's the place where I find inspiration and hope for the week. It's the place where I find friends uh, and affirmation and sometimes confrontation and <laughs> a, an opportunity to uh, learn. It's it's here at the church that I have the opportunity to think deeply in conversation with others. I have the opportunity to grow spiritually because I listen to other people's stories and they make a difference to me. And certainly through our service together, we have the opportunity to love others generously. Excellent. So you practice the daily devotion time in your prayer. You look for opportunities to respond you told me about a couple of specific opportunities um, that it came along that you responded to, that you said yes to. Would you just tell us about those? Sure. Um, well, you just never know when you say yes uh, where that might lead. And, all, and I know many of you uh, sitting out here, so I can't say too much because they know exactly what I've done and what I haven't <laughs> done. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, but I'm a member of a Sunday school class, and it's important to me. Uh, and just a couple of weeks ago, one of the leaders of the class uh, sent out an email that said uh, we needed to prepare for a new resident coming to Exit's house. And they put a list of items uh, through the email that needed to be taken. And I didn't time it, but we were all responding, saying, I'll take this. They needed things, anything from a sofa to a bar of soap. So the <laughs> list was on there, and you could pick something 
Um, so, you know, I said, well, we'll bring this, and other people took things, and in no time at all, that list was completely filled. And the good part about that is that um, the person who moves into that uh, apartment mm -hmm. will never know any of us, probably individually, or who brought what. That isn't important, but what they will remember is that they feel the generosity and love uh, of God when they step in there and these are not used things but new things and they feel blessed so together we were tr we lifted up another person that's great and you told me about an experience with your neighbor where you volunteered sort of innocuously <laughs> one time but she took you up on your yeah. offer well a, a neighbor's daughter had um, uh, had a drug overdose and died and and uh, Sid and I were visiting with her and I just said to her, what do you need? Um, and she said, I need somebody to go to the funeral home with me. And so I said, I can do that. So I went with her to the funeral home, and she didn't have a lot of support. Um, but I remember standing there beside her and her daughter, and we looked at pictures, and we talked about uh, happier days in, in her daughter's life and, and did a lot of sharing. and. So it was, uh, I felt really blessed. Uh, again, one of those times when I didn't say no. Uh, and I hope it was helpful to her, but to me it was uh, certainly a blessing. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much, mm -hmm. Belinda, for sharing. We appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I think you can hear in Belinda's story that she experiences God when she's in prayer but also that because of that prayer, she moves into action or moves into service. Um, that's the same dynamic Mark is talking about when he tells us about Jesus, that there's prayer, then proclamation. 